the AI optimist. Enhance and serve humanity with Declan Dunn. Moving beyond AI bias is the focus of this week's AI Optimist. Hey, this is Declan. I'm going to talk about breaking echo chambers. You know those weird things you're in in social media where you keep seeing things that you sort of like, but you never see anything different? Well, let's diffuse the root causes because we're all asking about AI bias. This is the root of the fear of AI. Is it going to create havoc or a new world? See, the bias I'd argue, lies not just in AI, but in ourselves. After all, AI just reflects what our content is, what we're, how we're treating each other, and things that are in society that oftentimes we don't like to see. We're raising this child called AI, and we have time to make it do the right thing, to avoid making mistakes like we did with the early AI algorithms. No one knew, but the next thing you know, everybody's getting really tense, hyperpolarized, echo chambers are created. I can't even imagine being a teenager now in a world of unfair comparison and social bullying beyond what you have in school. You have all of this that keeps fomenting this basically because the algorithms were based to treat you as an ad unit. And I know this from experience. It's not nice to say, but that's the uncomfortable thing you fear when you talk and all of a sudden you see an ad pop up and we could do so much more and AI is permeating so much, but it's not too late and we got to read the signs. See, we have an idea what is right, what is truth, and what is wrong. Yet that's a subjective view. Not even countries or regions share that. So I'm going to talk to you about this week, the problems of AI bias, eight examples, becoming aware of it, why we need multiple perspectives, and share some belief because I really do have hope that we're going to head into so much a better future with healthcare, with things that are going to make our life easier. But to do that, we actually have to stand up and say what we want from AI. And I'm not talking about just creating free content. So the focus today is so beyond what it's really doing. AI has been around and it's going to be around. And seeing how pervasive AI bias is that can cause harm, that can keep promoting things like racial injustice, gender bias. These things have happened. And it's not like they're not reflective of our own society. And it's also a challenge for all of us to step up and say, hey, we could actually do something better. Because like the AI question of the week is, what are we doing with bias, which is in definition, a preference or an inclination, especially one that inhibits partial, impartial judgment. It's an unfair actor policy. And this is coming out of several examples I'll show you, but there's so much cool stuff being done to re remove this. Because what's embedded in there is a cultural context. Different societies have different norms and value. Harmful stereotype in one culture may not be in another. I always talk about how Russians and Americans view each other's countries. It's shaped by historical, political, and cultural contexts. After all, AI is a worldwide movement, and this is not limited to us in the U.S. There are power dynamics, stereotypes where a majority group controls a minority group, and this doesn't even have to just be racial. There's economic ways this is done. So those stereotypes impact life chances, job opportunities, and social standing. So you can see why bias matters so much to people in AI. And the biggest thing I love about this is you read all these data scientists who never really thought about social impact. I don't mean they didn't care, but they believed in data-driven models or the models they were creating the tech. And all of a sudden, the social impacts 
really came up. And when I show you the examples, you're really going to be like, wow, this has already been happening. And a lot of these examples are seven or eight years old. And I'm showing you because there's all sorts of things they're doing to create ethical frameworks, to evaluate the impact of stereotypes and biases. And what's really amazing is this is going to bring it down to our society. What we're seeing as a mirror and the things we don't like about bias are things that exist. The content we create, the way we talk with each other in social media. You wonder why AI goes wrong? So instead of complaining and hiding in fear, those impacts are essential and more critical. So for example, I went to Midjourney and I wanted to give it a little test. This is sort of unfair, but I typed in a prompt. Midjourney is an image generator, if you don't know. Very cool. And I, I just asked to create a cartoon image of AI bias. And it created, if you go to the AI Optimist blog, as you know, much more details have than I'm even going to cover in the pod or there. There's a picture of this young woman, an attractive white woman. And I'm not saying this against that, but what's really funny is it almost always comes up as that. That is a bias. Look at these sites where so many people are not diverse. It's not a multicultural thing. And if you get annoyed by some of this, that's why it's coming up, because the results that come up. If you look for an attractive woman, it almost always shows you a white person. That's crazy. And we're going to have such a better development of this. This isn't limited to generations. This is in the context, context of what we have. So while that's not really like the biggest problem, it's a symptom. Because both bias and truth are lenses through which we view the world. Bias filters out information that is inconsistent with our beliefs. And truth is a way of seeing the world as it is without distortion. But that's your own view. It's subjective. And it creates echo chambers. And we all like that. We want to be happy with what we like. But the AI problem with bias is an alignment problem. See, AI alignment is the issue of how do we create these AI systems and make it compatible with moral values, with things that really promote a healthy and equal and diverse and a really multicultural society. And I have a quote there that people that are studying this is, it's a technical aspect of how we encode those principles into AI, but then also it's a social aspect. How do we get out what we want and how do we adapt it so that the second problem of alignment is what the moral value or principles, if any, we should encode to AI? How do we create ethical frameworks? This is so fascinating because the AI optimist debate question for this pod is, your suggestion of embracing and filtering biases is innovative, yet it brings another question. If we allow AI to learn and adapt to individual biases, isn't there a risk of creating echo chambers where people only hear what aligns with their pre-existing beliefs? And this is deep in society. Do we just stay the way we are? Nobody wants that. This could lead to a more divided society. Hello, have you seen what the problems are? And as people become more entrenched, they don't get exposed to diverse perspectives. This is happening right now. So how do we mitigate this risk? So let's jump into it. I'm suggesting that AI bias is a deep subject, but let's go through eight examples so you know specifically not only what's been happening, but next week in the next pod in episode nine, I'm going to talk about the solutions, the things that these data scientists who are given the impossible task of basically filtering out, removing bias, making this really something we'd be proud of. And remember, we create the content, we as a society, the discussions, all of a sudden it's reflecting things that we don't want to see. And they're working on it and there are solutions, but let's look at an example, specific examples of AI data bias. Okay, number one example of AI bias is called data bias. 
the AI model will likely reflect the bias if the training data, remember content it reads on social media, content it reads on websites, if that reflects these innate tendencies. So here's an example. A Amazon thought it'd be great to use AI for hiring and evaluating resumes to help it do a very difficult job. So it created a machine learning tool. Remember, machine learning is part of AI. And this influence in hire decision, hiring decisions based on historical data, based on what happened. This is one of the really tricky parts because what happened was it was overwhelmingly male and they wanted a more diverse workplace and they thought this would help them. But what happened was all of a sudden, because it said, well, this is the tendency. Remember, AI is all about probabilities, which is basically what's happening, what's dominating, and let's reflect that. So what it did was gender biases came up, for example, and I'm making this really, really simple and binary, sorry, but like men would list football as a hobby, women might enter softball. The language that men and women use are very different on their resumes. It's, it's sort of obvious if you've actually read them, and it doesn't mean you it's anything wrong with what they're writing. What was wrong is that it would evaluate the male language patterns and the male hobbies over and rank them higher than the females because there is a tremendous amount of male engineers in the business. Now, while this seems really obvious, Amazon's like, well, this isn't good. We didn't want that. Of course, we want diverse workplaces. Diversity really helps companies grow. This is not some political thing. But what happened was they tried to take gender out of it, said, okay, let's not, let's take the fact that it's a man or a woman out of it. But in our language, implicitly in the language and in the behaviors and what people do in their hobbies, it's pretty easy to see the same thing, what a male, what a female does. And the model kept leaning towards, even when they took out bias of gender, they took out whether it's a male or female, it was able to read it because these are patterns it recognizes. So Amazon sort of had to chuck that out and say, okay, we're going to start with something else. We tried, but they didn't mean to put out a bias, but the bias was built into what they had done. And how do we tell AI to do something better and to recognize this? That's not an easy solution. I'll share more with you next week on how they're trying to solve this. It's really tough. Okay. Bias number two, it's called label bias. So we attach labels to the data, right? Makes sense. Men, women might be a label. Um, attractive, professional, there's all these sort of labels that can come out. And these are things that are really important and understand what sort of information is in front of you, right? It makes sense. So like, it's funny, an example is if we made a fire truck and I'm in the US and I look at that, a fire truck might be red, but a fire truck in Australia, if I know right, isn't the color red. So if I'm in the U.S., that color label makes sense, but in other countries, it might not because they use different colors. And this gets even worse because Google Photos was using a facial recognition system. This is a long time ago, and they didn't like to do this, but somebody went and looked it up, and they saw that people that looked at them, like them, who were dark-skinned, were tagged as gorillas. They shut this down immediately, and even Flickr found this bias who tagged both white and black people as apes. Now, what it's doing is trying to figure stuff out, but it wasn't smart enough and it hadn't been given training enough to figure that out. So a label bias, this sounds really weird, right? But it's not like a human being. And you think of a kid, they have to learn these things. And what it was learning was different ways to interpret it and maybe a reflected bias because what happens is an overwhelming amount of the imagery it saw was white people, Okay. Then if you look at content sites, if you look at like even clip art sites, it was scary years ago how much this would just be white people. And I'm not trying to make this all white people, black people, dark skinned people. 
But the fact is, this is the bias that comes out. Now, Google, of course, heard about this, was horrified and shut it down. But AI is not prejudice. It just reflects what data dominates, right? Just like Amazon had a lot of men, it reflected that. Now we have to work on fixing that to make this thing really, really good for us. Okay. Number three bias is algorithmic, the math techniques to create bias. Now, remember I said Facebook treats you like an ad unit. So when you create little things, you click on interest, you show things, you write things, There's it analyzes text, it analyzes your engagements, things way beyond what I could even go on and on about. But those are why it creates the echo chambers, why you tend to see things from people you agree and rarely anything you disagree with. It reinforces existing beliefs or pre- preferences, and that's called an algorithmic bias. And while as if you consider yourself an ad unit for Facebook, which is sort of the way their business model is created, wants that behavior, it really has benefited them tremendously to put you in this little box. And while I'm not trying to stand here on an anti-Facebook sentiment at all, what's interesting is it's the model that creates an ad unit that creates an effective behavior because they're monetizing how much money do they make from you? Do you buy things? Do you click? Can they sell ads? They even have it if you've ever bought ads. The people who click are a different pool than the people who buy. They know all these things. And while all that's actually great if you're an advertiser, and I'm a marketer, I don't hate this, but the other end is it creates a bias. And it is sort of annoying that we don't get to see different things. And it sort of creates this separation as well. That's an impact we haven't really dealt with yet. What can we do with algorithmic bias? Number four is confirmation bias. Okay, this is the oldest one in the book. Existing beliefs, you get what you see. News recommendation algorithms. If you ever go to a news site, like I go to Microsoft has some news and I click on a lot of Boston sports stories because I like Boston sports teams. The Red Sox, the Celtics, the Patriots, that's just my thing. I like that area. It's some fans that I have. So I see a lot more of that news, which in sports is pretty great. But I also live in the Bay Area and I like to see the 49ers. I don't see a lot of that unless I train the algorithm. You see what I'm saying? It encourages us to get narrow and into echo chambers. And it does a lot of this with political beliefs. You totally see it in the US with the Democrat or Republican weirdorama going on. That kind of stuff is done by algorithms, all right? And it creates confirmation bias, and it's not really positive, and it doesn't lead to open discussions and debate. Number five is interaction bias. So how you interact with uh, anything is how it determines what it should do. So I'll give you an example in a real hospital. They were trying to figure out how to have pneumonia patients, people with pneumonia who came into their emergency room, how to determine which ones should be put forth quickly and which ones shouldn't. And what was weird is the suggestion came back because this was based on the statistic of a death rate. Which of these people died? And obviously, the ones who died the most, we want to take care of, right? That was the logic that came out of this. But the recommendation that came through is that people with asthma should actually be sent home and treated as an outpatient because their death rate was among the lowest of those with pneumonia. Now, if you were a doctor or a nurse in that emergency room, you know that asthmatics are the, with pneumonia are the number one thing. You would take them right out and put them right into an ICU. This is really threatening to their life. The AI didn't know that. It was only said, if, given the death rate, which ones die, we want you to optimize for that. Do you see how weird this gets? It becomes a game of math. And they knew that those asthmatics were actually should have been prioritized to the top, which obviously they would do in real world, and send them there. So they looked at this recommendation and it said, wow, they misunderstood that the asthma user's low death rate was the fact that they were treated 
And actually, the decision was an easy one to make. It was a no-brainer. Take that person with asthma, they have pneumonia. Oh my gosh, get them in there right away. So as you can see, AI was really good, but it was optimizing for the likelihood of dying. And they had to widen this to make it understand the real-world applications. This is not magic. And as much as it is math, there's really interesting, and these are early examples. Most of these have been either solved or they're working on solutions. There's really amazing stuff I'll share next week. So number six, objective function bias. There's a fancy one. So the objective function is the goal, what you want somebody to do. And this one's very famous, C-O-M-P-A-S, Compass. It's an AI tool used in courtrooms to predict the probability of future criminal behavior and designed to make parole recommendations optimized for recidivism if they repeated the fence, focusing on previous arrests, age, and employment. Well, what happened was black defendants were wrongly labeled as high risk, twice as much as white defendants, because in the U.S. penal system, there's a dominance of black people. They're a lower part of the population and over a third of the prison population. And that reflects all sorts of inequalities in society. And what happened was that if that person was black, they had a ranking that was way higher. And judges would just look at this and go, "Okay, this person is seven out of 10. This person's three out of 10 is a white person, is one example, with a pretty much comparable records. But since there were less white people, more black people, it's skewed to that. I'm oversimplifying this, but just to make a point, it didn't include other social influences. It developed a bias against groups with, and black people are incarcerated five times more than white people. That's a statistic. That's from 2021. So it reflects what we already do. See, what's really interesting about these AI biases is they sort of show us the bad parts of our society, and they're finding ways to correct this by age and by making sure that it's not messed up like the way it was. Okay, finally, two more, reinforcement learning bias. This is really funny. If you go to the site, The AI Optimist, you'll see a video of it. They were teaching AI how to play a game, and they're doing this to do with robotics and stuff. So there's rewards and punishments, right? Punishments, not literally punishments, but positive behavior, negative behavior. So we want to encourage positive behavior. And they're doing this with stuff like games because this isn't hurting anybody, right? But the ultimate goal is to use this with various robotics, things like in uh, nursing homes where robotic robots literally are going to help elderly people be able to listen to somebody with dementia, not have an attitude and be up 24 hours. There's all sorts of positive things, but we need to treat it and know how it can be right and helpful and all doing all the good things, right? So let's go back to the game example. The game was to win a race. And so Coast Runner 7, they were win a race, but like any game, you get bonus points and there were bonus points for sort of crashing into things. So this boat, and it's really wild. You should see the video. I'll, you know, Just go to the site and you can see it. It sort of races around in a circle crashing. It doesn't even go to win the race because it know it gets points by crashing. So it gets stuck in a loop because it doesn't understand that that's really not the point. That's not the goal. And it was sort of rewarded for it, but it's not sentient. It doesn't understand. And it really freaks out some people. Oh my God, it just made this up. It did it itself. No, it did not clearly understand that the short-term rewards of a game isn't tied into the objective function, longer-term goal of winning the race, okay? Finally, social and cultural bias. This was actually one that really is the hardest part. What we do as a society is reflected in what AI shows us. So for example, there was this early, early version of what we all run into now using ChatGPT, Claude, Bard, 
the early, early days was a really cool thing called word to vec It made word vectors where two to four words that commonly show up together in English are strung together because it allows this system, and it's all math, to do this much better, right? So people were really excited. And so that you would type in, if you type China plus river, you got the Yangtze. And they're like, that's great. Type Paris and France and plus Italy. And they'd say, oh, Paris is to France as Italy is to Rome. Wow, this thing is smart. But then it started seeing things as we tested it out that weren't as simple as geographic locations. So somebody typed doctor is to man as woman is to, and it said nurse. Okay, gender bias right there, but that's in language. And then they typed shopkeeper is to man as woman is to housewife. That's like the 1950s. But what's funny is they had to teach it how to understand this language and move beyond the 1950s into the 21st century. And we've obviously gotten a lot better, but you can see what the challenges are. Because when you're modeling the world, that's one thing. But as you use the model, you're changing the world in ways large and small. That's what AI is doing. And the assumption underlining many machine learning models is that the model itself will not change the reality it's modeling. In almost all cases, this is false. So it actually, if you got those answers, can you imagine if a student or some personalized learning or a business started receiving that as truth? Now, it's not at that world, but it's clearly this is why people are so freaked out by what AI can do. So we also have to be aware of the bias of developers. And if you go to the site, you can read about the problems we had with my example of Facebook said, oh, we'll regulate ourselves. We're good people. And they are. But their regulation did not even fathom the impact it would have socially. And we're starting to get more social scientists and other perspectives brought in. We can't let tech self-regulate. We have to have third parties look at it. This has become a big trend. Attribution bias. We love to say what the cause of somebody else's problems and behaviors. Rarely do those reflect reality. Well, AI is no different. Look at Compass. It's trying to make a, a unlike biased decision, and it's totally reflecting the bias of what's happened not what we want to happen. Isn't that crazy? So it's basically saying, hey, there's many more black people in jail, so the odds of this black person repeating is higher than the white person. It's not that literal, but that was the result, a little bit of attribution bias. And finally, framing bias, the way the quality of the data and the quality of the training on that data, you'll hear that again and again. AI is gathering data we've created. And the quality of that learning is what we're talking about here. Early days, a lot of these examples are older and have been fixed. And we're trying to fix more and more creating ethic frameworks. Even OpenAI, which is the creators of ChatGPT, the leaders in there, they say we're training AI systems using human feedback, training AI systems to assist human evaluation, because now it's not just data-driven or model-driven. ChatGPT is a large language model, LLM, but we want to train AI systems to do alignment research to align with our values and our morality. And this involves the intent given by the instruction, as well as the implicit things we want, like truthfulness, fairness, and safety. Imagine your healthcare. You understand how important this is? So these are the seeds of hope. We need to get better training data. This is very complex stuff. There's implicit assumptions. That's what they're saying. We need to have truth and fairness factored in somehow. That's really hard to do. Sometimes it can over-optimize, like that gaming thing where the boat just decided, okay, if I just crash here, I'm getting points. To heck with winning the race. And it missed the objective, right? And then there's ethical considerations, which you read again and again. It's like Sometimes it's like reading philosophy with all these AI data scientists, but it's true. All of a sudden, all these people who studied science 
have to get influenced by people who are doing social work, who are in the humanities, who are looking at the impact on people like we are at the AI Optimist. So who decides these filters? Obviously, we want to decide it collectively as a society. Where do we get bias filtering and how can we make that bias because it's implicit not deliver the negative biases and also help this be a more equal and free society, at least in the U.S.? Erasure of minority voices is big. Filtering solutions could minimize and say, hey, the existing power dynamics of this majority and this minority keep furthering. Economically, this scares people because many of these companies are billion and trillion dollar companies. We're saying, do you care about the people? And honestly, they really are trying to show that. But it is hard. If you're up at that level, it's hard to remember the impact on people. And a lot of times you don't find that out till later. So they're working on ways to get this revealed. I'll share in the next pod. But the belief in the AI is sort of like the placebo effect. Do you know that if you don't believe there's going to be a better future, there definitely won't be? Belief helps you. And as much as a doctor can help you, if you don't believe in the cure, doctors will tell you the belief in the cure is not that it's a fake placebo effect. The fact is that placebo effect matters. And I want to stress to you so importantly with AI, it is going to impact your life, even if you hate AI. Even if you think it's just about creating content, because so people don't understand the depth of this. But since we're starting today, AI pessimists rule because some of this stuff freaked people out. The parole thing, people getting sent to jail, this impacted real lives. Governments are using this for surveillance data, the issues of privacy. This is the time. We have the time now. This is a turning point. Diversity is a problem. Understanding how AI can help us guide transparency, fairness, and benefit us is a problem. It's our data, but it's also the chance we have. And before we all jump off a bridge of doom, many are trying to do better. And we're the ones who have to stand up, and we are. But I want you to join in on this. You can do this by learning, listening, podcasts like this, not to go as deep as I'm going, but understand we're all raising a child called AI. We're learning how to give it directions and let it do what it does and move beyond old models based just on the statistics of what was and the reflects of what we have. So it's a tough job. You think you have a tough job? Try to solve these problems because it percolates from the society. That's where the content, the data all comes up from what we're doing. So these inequalities, these things that aren't right show up and it's inability to understand that a person with asthma should be sent right in is because it only looked at the data of what dying happened with pneumonia without being able for someone to think, well, we got certain priorities here. Asthma is number one. Now we can factor that in. And this is helping accelerate healthcare so much. So you're not sitting around a waiting room being treated the same. There's good stuff, but bias, it's not going away. Developers are working on it, but it's a daunting task and a promising one with so many benefits. Yet many problems lie in our stereotypes, biases, and prejudices in our society. All of us have a bias. There's no way that we have a shared truth, but we do sort of know what's right and what's wrong. And we have to help AI do the right thing. Just like if you're raising your children, you try to do that. Well, this we can only program them. There's no nurturing of AI. AI doesn't have a childhood. It's in a box and it's run by math and we have to work with it. So the more we can do, create better images, positive images. If you notice people talking about language, pronouns, all of this stuff doesn't come out of nowhere. A lot of this is reflected from education, from business, where they're seeing these things and saying it matters that we need to identify racism that's embedded in our society, that these inequalities need to be changed. 
And that's really one of the things I love about AI. It's showing us this way. It's showing us some uncomfortable truths. We're interdependent with AI. So let's help it become better. And at the same time, recognize that many of the issues arise from the society we live in today. And together, I really believe we can make a difference. And I'd like to join me next week when I share some of those differences that are being done and show you why I'm so full of hope and seeing so many benefits of AI. The AI Optimist. My name's Declan, and I'm done. See you next time. <laughs>